I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good Friday afternoon, a warm welcome to you. This is The Call, 10 companies picked by you, two expert guests all over 60 minutes. It's Friday, the 3rd of June. Here with us for the full hour, joining me in studio from Sean Partners, Adam Dawes, and Mathan Samasandaram from Deep Data Analytics is joining us remotely. Mathan, I'll start with you. How are you traveling this week? Markets have been a bit of a fizzle until today, of course. Yeah, you, you never discount the market uh, in this kind of environment, hopping 1% or 2% on a, on a daily basis on the way up or you on the way down. You just never know what's going to happen. I think uh, if you're an investor right now, you just don't want to look at it on a day-to-day basis. You just want to set your uh, strategy and then watch what how it's going to play out over the next couple of months. Got it. Now, Adam, speaking yeah. of strategy, what is your strategy right now? We're in obviously an environment where we talk about inflation and rising interest rates ad nauseum for good reason. Yeah. But we're also in that sort of no man's land between confession season and reporting season. Yeah. I had my first company today right. say... We can't talk today, but I've got you penciled in for reporting season. And right. I was scrambling for my calendar thinking, <laughs> so, like, not yet, when, but, yeah, you know. Here we go. Not, not tons of corporate news to chew on. No, there isn't. And, and it's obviously a lot of global stuff that's really sort of driving our market as well as other markets around the world as well. But strategy-wise, I think it, it's staying the course for a lot of clients. I think it's looking at uh, um, some potential, some more defensive stocks. Uh, but then also keeping those resources because that's really where we're getting a lot of the growth from from our market as well. But generally staying the course, I think, is the right strategy. And certainly if you pick good quality companies, then you should not, you should be the sleep test. You should be sleeping pretty well at night. Got it. Now let's talk about companies, shall we? Perhaps we'll find some of those quality companies <laughs> in here today. We've got PWR Holdings on the list. That's for Scott. Uh, good afternoon to you, Scott. Uh, Borel for Isaac, Altium for Brad, BHP, and we've got Magnus Energy Technologies, all of which are coming up in the next half hour or so. But we'll get stuck into our stock of the day. I thought we'd take a look at Helios. Its share price being thwacked this morning after cutting its 2022 net profit forecast by almost 3% to $341 million. So it's saying that unaudited underlying earnings for the year to date is sitting at around $473 million, but revenue from its pathology and imaging businesses both dropping in this half. Um, also, and separately, Jeffrey's trimming Helios's price target to $4.40 to $4.50, but it does still have a hold on the recommendation. So let, what do our experts think of Helios? I'm going to start with you, Adam, because you're yep. here right beside me, which there I love. Go. Yeah. Yeah. Helios's share price yeah. has been under a lot of pressure, even mm. before today was down about, well, underperforming the 200 by about 15%. Yeah. So the question is, is the best baked into Helios already or is this looking good value? No, I think it's not good value. I prefer Sonic Healthcare across it for this one. So this would be a no from me. Um, there is, um, they, they did talk about Medicare and the numbers and data suggests there's around about an 8% fall in data, uh, rev- or sorry, 8% fall in revenue based on pathology business and approximately a 7% revenue drop in diagnostic and imaging as well compared to a year ago. So again, I'm not really um, liking this one. I think overall they still will, they'll do okay, but I think you always stay in the top end and you always look for the, the leaders in the sector. And I think Sonic Healthcare is the business for that. So it'd be a no from me. Got it. Thank you. Nathan, we had Macquarie before this profit warning coming through saying that, <clears throat> pointing to the obvious, which is obviously that we are seeing COVID testing decline. And uh, I guess the question is, will its pathology business be enough? To, uh, to really get things back on track. And Macquarie also suggesting that perhaps it wants to divest its day hospital division, so that would really focus it more on the pathology and the imaging assets. What do you think of Helios? 
Yeah, look, I have to agree with Adam on this one in the context that Sonic is the best in the sector, um, and that's what we've been backing as well. Um, it's interesting that pathology and uh, diagnostics are struggling uh, on the numbers because um, you know if you look at a lot of the up and comers in that uh, category have been having a huge run up. So you've done, I mean, you can think of the T leaks, the uh, emergence of, I can't think of the, the other ones in my head, uh, but all of them had massive runs into it uh, when the multiples were expanding for growth stocks. Um, this is, you know, it's, it's got a certain amount of M&A into it. It's not cheap, it's a big multiple play. So when you start to say that the second half is gonna be weak and you're not gonna be uh, doing well, brokers have been downgrading the last couple of times. So it's in a downgrade cycle as far as the brokers are concerned. So it's not the first downgrade. Um, so yeah, you, you just don't try and pick a stock that's on a downgrade cycle, uh, especially if this is a defensive earning stock. So a defensive earning stock in a downgrade cycle is danger. So uh, I'm not going there. Uh, we've been in Sonic and that's holding up a lot better. Uh, the model is a lot more diversified uh, regionally and um, on a model basis as well. So I think it holds up a lot better in this environment. In saying that, I think the healthcare is an interesting one for me because um, as Adam said, everyone is in resources at the moment. Um, so if you want to balance out your risk return, I think financials, everyone's in financials, everyone's in resources. The only one they're not in is industrials. And if you're in industrials, you either have to go tech or healthcare. Tech, I think still has a lot more risk attached to it. I mean, the healthcare has taken a fair amount of punishment, but they will be a much more diversified model. So I think you want to be in healthcare to balance out your risk. Uh, but, you know, Helios is probably not the one to be in. So what is one to be in in the healthcare space then, Nathan? Look, I think the one that's unloved is the biotech sector and the biggest monster in there is CSL. It's the best growth stock I know. And it's got a massive pipeline. And no matter what the cycle, it always comes back. And, you know, I always say you get your 20, 30% pullback every couple of years. And we got that. Um, it's not, it's not going to double, triple on you, but it's a solid performer. Got it. Thank you, guys. That's the stock of the day. Helios, not a ringing endorsement all around. Now, let's get to the companies that have been nominated by you. This is information only. This is not financial advice. For Scott, PWR Holdings, say, what do you think in light of the 25% decline in its value over the past month that supplies high-end cooling systems to every Formula One racing team? And with EVs requiring so much cooling power, he's wondering if uh, it could stand to be a huge beneficiary going forward. Who's watched Drive to Survive? Surely uh, you have. Lo- oh, absolutely. It's yeah. got me into Formula One. <laughs> me too. Like, We're not the only ones, <laughs> yeah, it's right? Great. Yeah, absolutely. Is it enough to get you into PWR Holdings? Yeah, no. Uh, it would be a hold for me at best for this one. Uh, and potentially, if you actually look at the chart, it actually looks like it's leveled out quite nicely. So. For those chartists out there, you see that that one in Feb, that dip, mm-hmm. and now here. So it looks like there's a bit of support there. So someone who's a little bit more expert in charting would 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 be able to pick that a little bit better. But look, I think it looks like it looks okay here, but it would be a hold at best. The reason for that is the hold is that they were able to generate uh, 22% revenue growth for the business. They were about about able to up their dividend by three and a half cents or 25% higher. So revenue moving higher, dividends moving higher. However, Raw material costs uh, can't be passed through to customers or have been part. They've held on to a lot of those costs. They're going to now need to pass them on to the customer. Hence, their margins are going to be a little bit higher. Their freight issues, so in other words, supply issues, has been a big one for them as well. And so they've been forced to hold high inventory levels. So again, when you've got a business, you can't hold too much in the warehouse and you, you know, you've got to move that kind of stuff, as well as we expect wage inflation to hit them in 2023. So there's lots of things that are going on with this business. That means that margin expansion is going to be limited, hence why I've got to hold Thank you. So almost sounds like a victim of those big macro forces that we're continually discussing. But Nathan, I mean, if it's able to pass along those higher costs to its very specific customer base, then what's the matter? Yeah, look, that's a great point. I mean, this is a stock that uh, I probably wouldn't have looked at. We, We came up on the show a number of times and I think Gaurav's a massive fan. So he gave me a PhD on this a few times. So I've kind of learn to love it. Um, it's a unique business model, it's doing really well, uh, management is really good, uh, but Adam's right, it's got the macro going against it, there's a lot of things hitting it, 
Um, a lot of costs are going to come into play. As with any manufacturer or retailer, you're going to be carrying a lot of inventories. So it's going to be tough in the current cycle. It's not cheap. Um, everyone's worked out it's a, for a small cap, it's a good small cap, and they pay big multiples for it. So you are seeing some steam coming out of it. Um, I wouldn't rush to jump in because if you think about the market, overall market, if there's risk in the market, I think the smaller caps and the micro caps will get hit more. And if you look at this one, it's had a pretty good run. It's not the most liquid stock out there, but it's not illiquid as uh, most other micro caps or small caps. So it's not too bad. Um, but I think you might see when the market goes down, this has probably come back a bit more. Uh, but it's a good quality business model, works in a unique part of the business. And there isn't a lot of players out there. They do have upside, but the cost inflation, you know, the, the dirty word, it's hitting everyone. Um, and it's going to have an effect on these things. And the other thing to remember is, you know, they're driven by what's happening globally. And, you know, even the biggest miners out there, they're cutting back on CapEx. They're not doing a lot of changes. So uh, if the racing guys, they feel the cost pressure, and if they're not buying and if they're not doing too much, you might see some demand decline coming through because of the higher prices. So uh, what do they do? Do they absorb the um, higher prices and squeeze their margin or do they pass it on to the customer? And if the customer starts to buy less, then you get less revenue. So there is a risk for them. Um, they are a great business model when the cycle is great, but I think the cycle is going to be pretty negative for them. Got it. Scott, that's your verdict from these two expert guests in studio with me. Let's get on to our next company on the list, which is Boral for Isaac, purchased at $3.97 for growth and dividend. But it's been going south mostly, he says. How is business management progressing? Uh, Nathan, yeah, Boral is, uh, it's warned about its outlook. Uh, so what, what rating would you give management? Uh, look, management for a long time did nothing and then M&A pressure came and board got squeezed and then they did what they should have done previously, divest and uh, improve the model. Uh, look, it's, a, it's better than what it was, but the thing to remember is the cycle is against these guys. Um, if you look at the best guy in the place uh, is James Hardy and James Hardy has started to roll over with what's happening in property market in the US. So if construction and property cycle in the U.S. is going to struggle, Boral is going to struggle. James Hardy actually makes a profit even in really bad cycle. Uh, Boral doesn't. Um, so if you think people are going to start talking about U.S. recession, uh, Boral is not the place you want to be. Um, I think the macro is pretty bad for them at this point in the cycle. Um, you will see James Hardy bounce before Boral. So if you want to buy Boral, keep an eye on James Hardy. When that thing turns, then look at Boral. Right. And uh, I mean, you said when we start talking about recession in the U.S., Nathan, we're already talking about the potential for recession in the United States. Uh, what what chances do you give that happening? Uh, look, I think recession is is one of those things. It's, it's a bit like talking about a bear market when it's 20 percent. Who cares if it's 15 percent? It still feels like a bear market if you're in the wrong stocks. Uh, so I think the recession fear is enough. I think you will find that nearly 30% of the US economy is probably already feeling like recession because the costs have gone up so much. I think when we get to, I'd say the recession risk right now is probably on a statistical sense, probably about 30%. Uh, but the problem here is the Fed, it has barely started to move. And they're flagged to move quite dramatically over the next three to four months into the back end of this year. Yeah. And then you've got a midterm election. And if that goes wrong, then there's a lot of stimulus that will come off the table. So I think the risk will build up through the year. So you, what you're going to find is the market is going to start to price that in sometime next year. You're going to have a dramatic slowdown in the economy, whether it's recession or not, becomes a side issue. Got it. Now, let's get back to Boral, shall we? Because, <laughs> as I mentioned, you know, it's not just cyclical, but it warned yeah. about flooding in New South Wales. <laughs> Weather. Having an impact as well. You were giving the thumbs up when Nathan was talking yeah. about James Hardy. Absolutely. It's, it, it's, it's the best of the, the bunch and always stay in that sort of top end. James Hardy actually upgraded their numbers just uh, in the last month or so. So that gives me a lot of confidence. Um, and James Hardy would be the number one pick in this space. 
Bottles really struggled. I mean, look at that chart. If we put that chart back up again, that looks really bad um, going forward. And it doesn't look like the market's going to give it any kind of attribution um, that this thing is going to look any much better or much better uh, going forward. Obviously, they've said that there will be solid demand and outlook for infrastructure. So that's a real big positive for the business. But it is uh, also saying that once the weather eases. Now, are we going to get weather easing in winter? <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the rain, I mean, if you're in Melbourne, you've had a great summer, but here in Sydney, it's just been pretty horrible. So I think that rain is going to continue. I think that they should be uh, able to um, recoup some of those costs, I think, a little bit. But overall, um, James Hardy is the pick and stay away from Borrell at the moment. That is a no. Even the dividend, I mean, it's only 2.5%, so for, um, for, what was the gentleman? Isaac, Isaac, um, purchased for growth and dividend. Probably be careful with that one because the growth isn't there, plus the dividend isn't that fantastic either. So um, I think, Isaac, you need to look at your metrics a little bit better and look for some of those stocks that might be able to give both of those. And you always look for a dividend that's going to be about 5% plus if you're looking for a dividend stock. So that's sort of be the metric that you want to look at. There's a rule of thumb. We love them on this program. Go ahead, Nathan. I was going to say, when you start to look at cyclical stocks as dividend stocks, yeah. Just be careful because, you know, I remember the time when everyone said BHP and Rio are dividends in 2015 and then it went sell. And so when they're cyclical stocks, when they're doing well, you get good dividends. When you're not, you don't. So when you're looking at dividend stocks, you've got to look at stocks that are going to ride through the cycle. So in that sector, in a building sector, it's tough at the best of times. Borough is not a dividend stock that you want to be looking at. You look at someone like James Hardy, doesn't pay a lot, but it's solid. Borough is not a long-term dividend stock. Got it. Thank you. Let's get to Altium. This is for Brad. He's saying tech smash, you know, square. Altium, zero's half year, he said, was treated like a zero, uh, hitting these fresh two-year lows. But Brad's saying he did actually want to buy these three companies. But the question is, are they babies or bathwater? And he's asking a bit of a favor. Could you rank them best to worst? So I think we're game for that. Square, Altium, zero. Adam, you. Yeah. Over to you. You know, like there's got to be some value in some of these tech names. Definitely. Definitely now there is value. And, and, and Mason talked about a bear market when stocks were down 20%. Zero has been down 40%. So what's that, a double bear market? I'm not too sure what that is. But look, certainly if I was going to rank those three, I would say Zero would be number one, Altium would be number two, and Square would be number three. The reason why Square or Block or whatever you want to call it, I think the industry is structurally changed and the industry is going to need a lot more change going forward. So that would be my number three. Zero, I think, is a fantastic business. Doesn't make a huge amount of money, but it is a very sticky business. And Altium is actually quite a good business as well. Um, Supply chain has been a bit of an issue for these guys, but there's been some arguments out there that these guys will actually benefit from the supply chain issue due to the fact that some of their software is experiencing a higher demand. So that's something that I think you could definitely look for in Altium's result uh, uh, or sort of the business going forward. It looks like it's on its knees as well with uh, the share price and has certainly been dragged out with everybody else mm-hmm. in the tech space as well. Um, I'd stay with zero, but Altium is a second, close second for me on that metric. And we're crossing Square off that buy yeah, list as well. 100%. Mathan, same question. Yeah, look, I finally have something to argue against. Uh, oh, look, Altium, hands down. Altium is the best uh, of the bunch. Um, it, we, we're talking about when you look at tech, you got to look at uh, platform techs because they have the natural ability to add on growth through time with new services, new products, extra, extra. Um, and Adam's right, in Altium, in the supply chain, yes, that'll have an effect, but it's a, it's a knife that cuts both ways. So it's a positive and a negative. So I think Altium will benefit out of it. The other side of it is, you know, we've already had the industry consolidation and there's always someone trying to buy Altium. When Altium was, I think when I think former shop I worked in raised money for it at two bucks, there was going to be a bid at five and there was a bid at 10, there was a bid at 15, a bid at 20. And even now we've had recently, we had a bid, uh, I think uh, close to high 40s yeah. uh, and they'll be back uh, because it's a bloody good model and it's a mature model. It's a proven model. Um, there isn't too many people that can do what they do. It's cheaper to buy them out. So I think Altium is the number one by country mile. Uh, I think Zero is a great model. Um, I just still have an issue on how they do what they do globally. That's always going to be a much harder play. 
I think they will get through that and it'll take a bit of time. But it was on an insane multiple. I, I just could not work out how you pay. But look, it's, 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 it, the product is so good that people are paying insane multiple. Mm. Um, so I think it's come back, but I think Zero will be, a, it's one of those ones where it's, it's a bit like religion. Uh, you know, people love it or they don't and they'll buy it at any price. So Zero will have a run. But for me, the Altium model is so much better, so much more proven, and it's going to be there in through the cycle. So I think Altium is the number one, zero, number two, uh, yeah, square. Uh, it's a fintech. Uh, it's already done the consolidation. So no one's going to buy them out. So you've got to kind of play through the cycle. So I think when you've got interest rates going up, uh, credit standards tightening, square is going to struggle for a while. So, Mason, uh, just talking about being arguing uh, or at least uh, something to talk about, I think Xero definitely has the ability to add on new products to their customer base through the artificial intelligence that they've got, plus they've got that loan book that they've got as well. Um, they, they, they can see uh, every, well, I run zero through my business and they know exactly what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis, sure. wages, growth, all of that kind of stuff. So there is ability for them to add on those services as well. So sure. I think you're right, it is a bit of like a religion and a lot of people are very, sti- and it is a very sticky business as well. So hence why it's my number it's one. Probably- I would put it as, if you think about the Melbourne Cup 3200, Altium is on the final stretch. You know what it is. It's just going to run through the cycle. Where I think the other two I would look at is Ordinate and Zero. I think the underlying model is phenomenally good. The management is good. I'm sure they will do well, but it's going to take a lot longer. So in a 3200 meter race, they're at the first couple of hundred meters. They still have to run through, get it run. And through the uh, through the expansion model, have to prove it, and I think they will. But you had to have a bit more time. I think Altium is it's such a proven model. I don't think there's any risk in it. It's just a matter of where the economic cycle is going to play out. Well, guys, we're going to dash from this one, but uh, <laughs> I like the differing of opinion. That was for you, Brad. Hope that helped. BHP for Taylor. Look, buy, hold, sell, Nathan today. Uh, look, everyone is there. I don't see the marginal buyer coming. Uh, I know it's holding up, so it'll it'll do okay in the short term, I think. Uh, but look, I just don't think uh, it's going to make the big move. Uh, I think everyone knows, everyone's in resources, and every fund manager has to hold it. So the problem is, if there's anything that turns, they'll all be sellers of BHP. I don't think there's going to be a massive buyer coming in. So are we holding it, if you've got it? Yeah, I think if you, if, as a portfolio sense, where we are in the cycle, I think it makes sense to hold it, but I wouldn't be buying it yet. Adam, does oh, buying BHP buying, yeah. help you sleep at night? Absolutely. It's a core portfolio stock. Uh, Peter O'Connor, Rocky, our analyst, has got a $52 price target on it. Yes, it's not going to shoot the lights out, but however, with the Woodside um, demerger that's just happened, uh, with the unification trade that's come through, there's been a, it's been a big six months for BHP. I think this one is a very, very good business. The dividends, and I know Nathan's talked about cyclical businesses, and he's absolutely correct. We do not buy resource stocks for dividends. However, the dividend at around that sort of eight to nine, even ten percent, uh, is very, very attractive at the moment, and we can't, we don't see that falling in the next uh, one to two years as well. So I'm really, really comfortable with BHP quality business. Um, it's part of our uh, portfolio for resources, and it's done, it's done pretty well for everybody also. Still a buy. I yeah. just feel like we've got two themes emerging here already, folks. Um, from Nathan, <laughs> it's the macro is going against it. The new version of this time might be different, you could say. Yeah. And for Adam, it's just you know the best of the bunch, right? Yes. Like That's where you want to be 100%, right now. 100%. Okay. So that's BHP for you, Taylor. It's a hold for Nathan. It's a buy from Adam. Let's get to number five on the list, Magnus Energy Technologies. In the small end of the market, obviously. Also, though, in this whole decarbonization, EV, lithium-themed part of the market as well, which, as we know, has been so hot, but also, as we learned this week, can still be quite volatile. Like, nothing is a given, right? So MNS is a ticker code for Matt. What do you think, Adam? Yeah, so Magnus is an interesting one because it does have these ESG tailwinds. And I was sitting down at a lunch uh, this week and talking to 
are quite a respected ESG sort of analyst, and they're talking about if a company has ESG tailwinds over the next five to 10 years, they will do very, very well because of the amount of money that's going into that space. Now, Magnus is one of those ones that has really quite struggled going forward. But there are some really good uh, and some interesting stuff that's going on with that. They've got a very large battery in New York that they're using at the moment, and that is uh, semi-automated, and they're going to be in the next month or so going to be fully automating automating that battery. They've got a battery in Townsville. Now, with the Labor government coming in, that will uh, support that uh, battery as well as potentially some more batteries that will be used going forward as well. They've just got a new CEO that's come in from Worley, so that's going to be an interesting one for them to uh, push through. And there's some announcements coming out from their Tanzanian. They've got a graphite mine, so they're sort of an end-to-end kind of battery technology business where they've got the graphite they can get it, dig it out of the ground, they can put it into a battery and then they can sell it as well. So for me, it is a small one. It's an interesting one with ESG tailwinds. I'm going to say it's a hold because it really has struggled and it really hasn't done that well. Because of all of these fantastic announcements, you would have expected this one to do a little bit better, but it just hasn't. So if you've got it in the portfolio, hold it because it's got some really good announcements. If you see any kind of weakness coming into the stock, I think it's a buy. But at the moment, I'd just be a little bit cautious from where we are at the moment. Well, that's an interesting take then because it is in the smaller end of the market. So that is where you need to be cautious at this stage of the market cycle. Uh, The decarbonisation push, Nathan, we know that it will eventually happen, but it's complicated. Isn't it? It's complicated by energy security. It's complicated by uh, the technology. It's complicated by price. So how do you view something like Magnus, which Adam has pointed out is really end to end? Yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. It's a hard one. I mean, if you look at actually, it's an interesting one. If you look at the battery in a car battery, um, if you look at how much of each of the commodities used, um, you find that things like lithium, there's only a small amount. But then you look at how much graphite, that's a massive amount. There's a lot of graphite being used. But in saying that, um, you know, graphite is not that rare. It's it's in a lot of places. But you still have to get it. You have to go through the process. You have to get it to the, the whole end product. And I think this is an interesting one. The only problem is everyone has loved it for, you know, the last couple of years. Every battery technology uh, commodity has been having a huge run. Uh, rare earth, everything's on the run. So... We've got a few brokers on the negative side now, which we didn't have two, three months ago. Um, the sentiment in the sector is a bit dicey at the moment because everyone is holding it. And suddenly everyone's looking around going, oh, wait a minute, not everyone's positive. So you, it's much easier to scare people and sell out of it. And I think the sentiment, everyone just bought the what's gonna happen in five to 10 years already, that if something turns, there'll be a lot of hot money running out. So. This is the time in the cycle where you've got to be careful holding a small cap battery tech commodity uh, because a scare story is very easy to come through brokers and fund managers. And if somebody decides to get out, these small caps can get smashed. Um, so that's where the risk is. I tend to look at this cycle. If you want to be there in resources, this is the time where you want to be transferring into a larger cap to get the same exposure. Um, so I tend to look at the diversified place. So if you're looking at resources in Australia, BHP, Rio, MinRes, IGO, South32, you kind of can pick one of them and that'll give you a decent exposure into a number of commodities at the same time. And so if one goes wrong, you're not going to get hit. And we are pretty close to the high end of, the, uh, I suppose, the inflation cycle. So in this cycle, you just got to be careful where you are. So picking a small cap, uh, one commodity play right now is probably late in the cycle. So you're selling it? Yeah, look, I mean, if you've been there for a while and you've had the run-up, I actually don't mind holding it because they've actually executed okay. Um, I think that's it. they're doing interesting things that it could actually pay out to be quite good. But if you've got fresh money, I wouldn't be jumping. So for me, it's more of a hold rather than a sell. Thank you. Thank you, guys. We are already at the halfway mark. So I'll let you have a bit of a break and I'll just summarize the first five stocks of the day and the uh, stock of the day as well. So for Helios, which was the stock of the day, Adam prefers Sonic Healthcare. He does not see it as being good value, even though it's been sold off. Look, Nathan points out that it's a company that's been struggling and he says that it's not cheap, it's in a downgrade cycle. Nathan's rule is to never buy a company when it's in a downgrade cycle. 
PWR Holdings for Scott. It's a hold at best for Adam Dawes. He is just really concerned about the macro environment, so margins and supply issues. Nathan says it is a good business and management has done well, but again, the macro is going against it and he says it's not cheap. So this is not a buy, it's a hold from both of my guests and at best from Adam Borrell. This is a no thank you very much from both of my expert guests. Adam, again, he wants to sleep at night. James Hardy is the best of the bunch. Nathan says Borrell's management has not been managing these cycles very well. It's against these guys. The cycle is up against them again. He says, watch for a turn in James Hardy, which is best in breed. When you see that turn in James Hardy, perhaps then is when you get into Borrell, not before. Altium, okay, we'll rank them for you. Brad, we'll play along. Zero, Altium are both buys for Adam. He liked zero the best, so that's number one. Don't buy square. Uh, Nathan says Altium is by far the best. Zero is pretty good, but don't buy square. Um, and they had a bit of a debate, as you saw, about uh, which one deserves to be in the top spot. So, Brad, I'll have to leave that up to you to figure out the rest. BHP for Taylor, it's a buy for Adam, it's a hold for Nathan. And the last one that we just discussed was Magnus Energy Technologies. Hold for, uh, well, hold for both of my guests, and you just heard why. So the other day I had the pleasure of hosting the most recent installment of the Investment Committee. Boy, it's a great show and you can watch that uh, episode when it gets put online Tuesday and when it goes live as well. So let's check in with the portfolio as it stands. Tabcorp, Domino's, Ardent Leisure, Tyro were added to the portfolio last time around. And we also shifted the original allocations and cash holding side. So, all the companies that get a double buy here get put in front of the investment committee. So please keep your requests coming in. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while. And although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools. Plus, our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at CMC Market. Com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum the CMC Pro accounts at our website. The Beta Shares Australian Top 20 Equity Yield Maximizer, which is an ETF, and Prosper PGL is also on the list for Lee. Let's get into it. This is Baby Bunting for Liv. She's wondering if it could be a secondary beneficiary from all the formula shortages. More broadly, what do you think of the business? Adam, I'll start with you. Formula shortage? Potentially not. Um, I guess they sell formula there, don't they? But it's more about the hardware and, and everything else. It's been a long time since I've had a baby, so 15 years when my wife had a baby. But overall, I think baby bunting is a fantastic business because the amount of money people spend on their first baby is ridiculous. And basically, baby buntings has only got 10% of the overall $6 billion, $5 billion dollar uh, baby goods market at the moment. So there is definitely room for expansion. There's been a really good business as far as successful. They did improve their growth or their overall sales by 6.8% in the, in the last half um, and margins were 192 basis points higher. There you go, margins are moving higher. So it's a fantastic business going forward. And they've also increased their net profit after tax by 3%. So for me, this is a great business. I really like it. Um, sales growth is their major market that they can get into. Um, so it's a buy from me, even at these levels. Even at these levels was yeah. the, the... It does look a little bit expensive. <laughs> yeah, okay. Nathan, but... I'll pick that up with you there. Yeah. Would you be paying up for Baby Bunting, a retailer? Uh, uh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Christmas. I know you or something. <laughs> oh, look, you, you know me, Nadine. Um, look, it's a cycle. Um, you're going into a cycle Babies where consumers... They're not a cycle, though, are they? They're not a cycle. They come every time, yeah? hundred, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're all know. there they're, everywhere. Yeah. I can see I, photos I in the background there of your kids. <laughs> Those look like penguins. Those are not his children. <laughs> put on your glasses. <laughs> I better put on glasses. Yeah, I, look, I think it's... Look, they benefited from all the competitors basically blowing up. Um, it's a good operation. Uh, they've done well. Um, people got too excited. They paid too much of a multiple. It's coming off a bit, but look, I think it's, Adam's right, it's a solid business, it'll keep executing. But um, if you look at where we are in the cycle for retailers, um, it, all the retailers looks relatively cheap. Um, and that's always a bad sign because the analysts haven't downgraded to the reality of what the economy is showing us. 
So we're going to see lower consumer spending. That'll flow onto everything. Baby bunting's already pricing in that. Uh, you'll see some of the other retailers are probably not doing that yet. Um, I've seen um, Axair um, AX1. Um, you've seen the pullback in City Chic, which used to be a market darling. All of these retailers have run into problems because of what's happening in the consumer cycle. I think baby bunting is a bit more defensive than most, but I, I think the turnaround in them would take a bit of time. I, I wouldn't be running in right now. I don't think you need to rush in. The rate cycles are only starting now. You're going to see weaker property prices, weaker consumer spending. That'll probably play out through this year. And you probably will see some turnaround into next year. So this is one I would be keeping on the shopping list for around the December time and see how the data matches up. I think most retail stocks are going to have a tough outlook over the next six months. Thank you. Thank you. Agree to disagree, gentlemen. All right, let's <laughs> move on to Drone Shield from Anna. And I understand why. People are getting a little bit more interested in this whole sort of drone technology space. Um, obviously, technological advances are being made, but also we've got uh, geopolitical risks happening. And uh, and then you've got companies like Walmart, you know, saying they're going to be using sort of drones to uh, to deliver. But, you know, Drone Shield is looking at protection via the technology. Mathan, it's a company that's been around for a long time, you know, consistently updating the market on progress, but has any of it really come to fruition? Yeah, it's a tough one. Uh, the concept is quite interesting. And I think, especially with what's happening in wages and uh, I guess cost pressures, um, it makes sense for large organizations to look at uh, potential technologies that deliver to the home. Um, so this kind of plays into that. Um, so I think it, it, it is interesting. It's it's a high risk, small cap tech player. Uh, this is a time when you've got to be careful when you're playing tech stories, but this is a momentum trade where, you know, there's a price for everything and there's a cycle for everything. And when people are getting excited about home delivery through drones, this stock will have a run. And I'm not going to argue against that because I don't buy into it, but the market does. So I think you've got to look at it as a high risk punt and you've got to think of it as a momentum trade. And if people are getting excited, which is happening right now, there's a fair amount of media coverage on drone deliveries and so forth in a high wages environment. I think it'll probably will do well in the short term, but it's a trading stock. It's not a buy and hold. It's not, I don't see it as a long-term play. So it could be a number of years, but it's, at this point, it's a pure momentum play. So when it's running, happy to be there. And I think right now it's a high risk punt. I think it's worth taking. But I would be having a pretty close, uh, I suppose, stop loss. And if it rolls over, um, so, you know, if you look at what's happened previously, um, if it starts to roll over below 20 cents, you start taking your money out because, uh, you know, it's a micro cap. When it goes wrong, there's no liquidity. It can go wrong very badly. Yeah, uh, look, I'm with Nathan. Um, I love trading stocks. So, uh, you know, this one is 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 a is an interesting business and potentially trades by appointment. So, in other words, when there's a good announcement, everyone sort of gets behind it, and that's what Nathan's talking about that momentum. But then, you know, two week later, market starts to get bored with it again, and it starts to fall. So, for me, uh, trading wise, it's a great great story. But um, I wouldn't be putting my clients' money into it, so it would be a no from me. Is that is that a sell or is that a that, that's not a sell? If it's, you were in it, would you continue to hold? Uh, no, I think, no. So that's uh, yeah, a sell. That's a sell. Um, the reason is it's great technology, and 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 if anybody's really looked into it, to to get a drone down, they've tried everything from nets, eagles, um, and this drone one is probably one of the best ones because it allows it to take it home back to base without detonating the bomb or these kinds of things. So it's actually got some really good technology going forward, but they haven't really been able to make it work. As you said, this one has been listed for a long time. So I really feel like um, that if, if, it gets, if it gets a big US contract or something like that, then maybe you could start to get into it. But for me, it hasn't done anything for a long time, so I'd be steering clear you of it. You want to wait for that. You're allowed to take off your glasses, by the way, Adam. Sorry, Mason. The damage has right. been done Don't, already. No, right. It's <laughs> okay. been recorded. I can't Let's do anything more about it. <laughs> Let's get to the next on the list for Greg. Uh, how do you view trends, Urban, in yeah. an inflationary environment, Adam? That's the that's the segue, why, right? Why wouldn't you want to own a business that can? Why why do, why wouldn't you want to own a business that can raise prices once 
right, without CPI, and then raise businesses, raise their prices with CPI. So yes, Transurban is a fantastic business against inflation, and yes, it's a buy from me. Um, the reason is is that they can continue to raise their prices. So Telstra is another business that can raise prices. Coca-Cola is a business that can raise its prices. And during inflation, this is a fantastic place to be. It used to be a bond proxy, but I think that it's shaken that off now. Um, we've, we've lost Sydney airports, but I think Transurban is one of those ones. They're very good road operators. They know exactly what they're doing. The stock's been doing well. I'm really, really comfortable with that, and I still think it will continue to do well. So yes, even at these levels, it's a buy from me because they can raise their prices. What was CPI last time? 5.1%. Sydney uh, Eastern Distributor has gone from $2.50 to $8.65 and it's still shockers every day. I think it's a great, great buy. Okay. What do you think, Nathan? Is this a company that the macro is not necessarily working against? In fact, the macro might be working in its favour. Uh, I beg to differ. Uh, I think <laughs> it, it's... It is, as uh, as Adam said, it is actually got an interesting concept at the moment because the, what are the biggest uh, pension funds and um, big money players doing globally? They're looking for good long-term assets to buy because, you know, think of Sydney airports, think of Ramsey. Um, you know, Ramsey is not an exciting, sexy model. It's a boring cash model. Uh, what they're buying is solid assets that can deliver cash flow uh, over time. And why? Because growth is going to be low for longer. Uh, what the central banks have done is they've borrowed future growth to pump up current growth. And what post-pandemic did was because we printed so much money and did that so much that when we unwind this situation, you're going to have lower growth for longer. So they're buying stable, solid assets. And Transurban is one that. I mean, it's the probably, the, you know, you, you think about the logic behind it. The government takes all the risk builds these assets and then sells it at a discount to these guys who get guaranteed price rises with inflation, which none of us get. <laughs> we don't get inflation rises on our wages, but they can keep rising. So it's one of the biggest Ponzi schemes there for government, for Transurban is the greatest thing under the sun because they got guaranteed rises. Uh, so they will do well. But on the flip side, they're going to have rising interest rates because these things are leveraged to buggery. So they will have high interest costs, but they will have higher revenue. So that kind of balances out. But the big thing that these guys benefit is because it's a defensive asset, right now, people will be happy to park their money. So it, it's a hold. Yeah. Uh, but if the market falls over um, and then you get the recovery cycle after the clarity, at the moment, the market's trying to work out what the hell the central banks are going to do with this inflation while there's problems in the economy. Once that is sorted out over the next hopefully few months, hopefully they don't drag it for another six months, but if once that's sorted out and the market resets, then people will sell out of these defensive assets and look for cyclical growth stories. So businesses that are going to recover through with the economy. So when that cycle comes, all of these stocks will get sold down. So right now it's a good place to be. If you're there, hold it. I don't think it's a bad thing. If you got fresh money, I don't think I'd pay up for this one. Um, so it's a hold. Uh, but I think when the market does have its reset, this will be a sell. So, Mason, uh, the reset potentially is going to be another 12 months, maybe 18 months, as the recession potentially walks its way through the US and whatnot. So defensiveness, I think, is, is, is the key for uh, a portion of clients' portfolios. But then also uh, all your arguments at the start before you went to the but were absolutely correct. Government builds these things. They, don't, they can't do it properly. And then all of a sudden, uh, Transurban sweeps in, you know, gets it for a discount, gets it for a song, and then can continue to raise prices. So um, yeah. I no, agree no, I don't, 30%. I, I don't disagree. The, the only reason why I'd say that uh, people, especially retail investors, um, think logically for some period, and then they don't. So when they look at Transurban, they go, oh, because they're worried right now, it sounds like a good idea. They're happy to buy it in a month's time, two months time, it's not going to do anything different. It's going to hold up. Then they'll look at it and say, oh, it's not doing much. So I'd rather hold something that's going to. So this is where you've got to be careful. If you have a proper investment process and you're willing to hold some part of your portfolio that's going to be defensive and holding up, Transurban plays that part and you hold it. But if you are, if you've got fresh money and you're trying to get a return over the next 12 months, six months, 12 months, I think if you're holding Transurban, you're probably going to get itchy fingers and you're probably going to sell it. 
So just be aware of your own personal issues and uh, accommodate for that. But look, I, I think on a portfolio sense, it makes sense, but I doubt most people are gonna do that. Now, Adam, has Nathan convinced you? No, changed your mind? No, I'm uh, still a buyer. Nathan, has Adam changed your mind? <laughs> Uh, uh, All right. <laughs> Greg, I will leave that one to you. I'm not weighing in whatsoever. Number nine on the list is the BetaShares Australian Top 20 Equity Yield Maximizer, WiMAX. It's an ETF. Scott says, given that the market appears to be range-bound-ish, is now the time to park some money in a covered call ETF? Yields around 11 to 12% gross paid quarterly tends to underperform if the market moves too quickly up or down. But recently, when including dividends, it has outperformed. Um, so what do you think? Yeah, so uh, obviously uh, this one is just in the top 20 stocks and then using covered calls or options mm -hmm. to increase revenue or increase distributions. And it pays a dividend every quarter. So it, it's actually quite an interesting little one. I agree with it being range trading at the moment. This market probably potentially looks at around that 6.8, 6.9 to 7... Mm, 7.25, something yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, potentially that range trade is right. Um, so to that argument, you would look to pick this up at around that sort of 7,000 level. I think that's probably fair if it, we are in that range trading, business, uh, range trading side. Um, just be a little bit careful with these high sort of dividend ones. Sometimes, um, you know, Harvester was a classic example, um, which BetaShares don't like to talk about it these days, but it was um, the capital appreciation was negative to getting more dividends. So just be a little bit careful with this one. Um, for me, I, I yeah, I'm a, I guess I'm a stockbroker, so I could write cover calls over, over the top 20 pretty easily for me. So for other people that aren't able to do that and aren't that sophisticated, then it probably looks okay. Remember, 75% of all volume is traded in the top 20 stocks. So it is where the most liquid and the most ability for, to do that. But then again, you must also look at the PDS because be very, very careful because a lot of people don't understand synthetics or covered calls or options. And so I wouldn't be putting an 85-year-old granny into this stock due to the fact that they just don't understand the product that they're investing mm. in. So always look at the PDS and always get an understanding of it. Um, from me... If you wouldn't buy it on behalf of your clients today. No, I, I, maybe wait till we're six, nine. And, and, and I think that range trade is the right call because then you could probably potentially get the uplift of the ASX to uh, 20 as well, plus then some cover calls in there as well. So I think you just got to pick your entry point on that one. Got it. And you did call yourself sophisticated in there. Oh, no, sorry. That's a sophisticated investor. <laughs> Hang right. on. Nathan, what do you think about, uh, yeah, the YMAX? Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's an interesting part in the current cycle, right? You're trying to, it, it's almost like, you know, you, you listen to what uh, Adam was trying to explain. Basically, you're trying to pick the bottom of the market and buy this thing because then it'll give you the upside without the downside risk. The, the biggest risk in any thematic about buying a yield uh, play is that you can get capital appreciation turning negative and losing capital while making dividends. So this is where you've got to be careful on how that plays out. So I always think of it as if you're going to be investing for yield, you still need to invest on stocks that are going to be growing. They have to be still growing enough to substantiate that yield because you can get five, 6% and if it's growing at zero, then you really you're eating up your capital because inevitably the market will work that out. Um, so the trick here is I think you've got to be really careful with yield stocks. They do come with risk. Uh, and in a, in a cycle where cost of borrowing is going to rise, the benchmark is going to keep pushing them. These stocks will be under pressure. Uh, I, I just think you've got to be careful. I, I, in a yield environment, I still think you need to invest in growth, the solid growth ones. So the ones that are, you know, why are private equities chasing the Sydney airports, uh, the, uh, the Ramseys, the, you know, the, I'm sure at some point someone will chase, chase APA or Transurban because they're solid uh, they've got locked in for price rises that they can take advantage of, and they will continue to grow at this boring high single digit and deliver your yield. And so that's what you've got to look at. And I'm, I'm always careful when people say, oh, we can get dividends in any cycle. Well, that's not the case. So Adam's right. You've got to be really careful buying this. It's not, I think everyone is jumping in because it's what they have done in the past. But if you looked at the last three, four years, there's a lot of sectors and a lot of thematics that have done really well that have done really badly in the last year. So 
In that context, you've got to be really careful how history doesn't always repeat itself. Thank you. So that is a no to buying that today. Now, final company on the list for Lee. Hope you're watching, Lee. May I have some thoughts on Prosper Group, please? Just how prosperous are they? I get to what you're doing there, Lee. I like it. All right, Nathan, we'll start with you for Prosper. Uh, it's, there's too many puns in that one. Uh, <laughs> go with the Prosper. Uh, look, it's small business lending. Uh, I think you've got to look at the macro, uh, where it is, what's happening. Um, you've just had the banks uh, come out um, and say, look, they're worried about what's happening in the um, credit lending. Um, I, I think the small businesses are on the, um, I suppose, the pointy end of that. Um, a lot of small businesses have, haven't had to make a lot of rental payment, utilities payment for the last couple of years. There's been a lot of delayed play that's going to play out. Handouts are going away. And then you've got a rising cost of borrowing coming in. So a lot of small businesses are going to get into trouble. I mean, the, the lending standards are already tightening. It's happening globally, and so it's, it's happening locally as well. So I think small business is going to struggle in the short term. So look, I think the fintechs have taken a belting, a fair belting, and that's normal for this cycle. Um, but I think the upside for a lot of these fintechs is going to be some kind of consolidation in that space, because if you're doing one part of the business, it's going to be tough. I think number of them will get merged out and people will look for like for like businesses that they can click together to cross sell products. Um, Prosper is one where potentially it'll be a target if it gets cheap enough. But I think over the next six to 12 months, there's going to be a lot of uncertainties attached to small business and lending. So I think it's just too hard. Too hard macro working against it. Is Prosper a company that would allow you to sleep at night if you put your clients in it today? Uh, no. Um, we, Nathan and I started the show agreeing and we're yeah. going to finish the show agreeing. <laughs> this is uh, one that is in the wrong part of the cycle. Um, even though Shore and Partners has got a buy on this one and so really should be sticking with the analyst on this one. Um, but I just think it's the wrong part of the cycle. The reason why we uh, businesses like this, this um, are, are capital hungry and will always continue to need more capital to, to continue to lend. Um, but for me, the consumer is in the wrong space, in the wrong time. Wait till interest rates are higher, more freer money, interest rates are coming down. That's potentially when you look at these businesses. So I agree with Mason 100% on his analogy. So it's a no from me. We are all friends once again Yay. here on the call. All's well that ends well. Let me run you through just the final sort of uh, companies, not sort of, the final companies that we spoke of today. Number six was Baby Bunting. It's a buy for Adam. He says the margins are moving higher. It's a hell no for Nathan. He says, wait. All right, Drone Shield. It's a sell from both of my guests. Not a lot of liquidity in Nathan's view. It's a trading stock. Uh, Adam agrees. He said it trades by appointment. So you want to look at this one when it gets some sort of a major contract win that will result in real revenue and earnings. Transurban, this is where they really you know, fundamentally disagree. It's a buy for Adam. It's a hold for Nathan. He said, just don't put new money in it right now, even if it could have some pricing power through this inflationary cycle. Beta shares, the YMAX for Scott. It's a no from both of my guests. Uh, Adam, he can do it himself. He's sophisticated enough. No, but he says you have to understand really what you're doing. And perhaps it's more attractive if the market is trading lower. And it's just a no from Nathan. All right, Prosper, the macro is working against it. Adam agrees. It's not top of the market. It's not one of those companies that will allow you to sleep at night when we've got the prospect of rising rates, which will potentially be, uh, you know, difficult make things difficult for small businesses. So wrong part of the cycle. Hey guys, look, I think that was a really good discussion. Um, Adam Dawes, Absolutely. Sean Partners, we're gonna see you back here for a drink. I can't wait. At 3.45 for the last call. Me neither. Absolutely. And Nathan, we wish you could join us for a drink. We'll get you in uh, shortly, as soon as you can. We'll see you in the studio. Mm -hmm. Have a great weekend, Nathan. You too. And we hope that you all have a great weekend out there. Don't go anywhere, though, yet. We've got the small caps coming up next. And, of course, the day rounds out with a bit of a drink and a chat at 3.45 with the last call. If you've got a company you'd like us to cover, email us, the call at osbiz.com.au. And uh, we'll see you on the other side of this very short break.